Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Now, it was Men's International Day this Tuesday, I think it was this week. Often, you know, people are accused of not saying enough about men's rights in this country and the world in general that we're always defending women's rights but there are organisations out there that do defend the rights of men and boys. Men's Voices Ireland is one of them and they're holding a conference this weekend up in Dublin. Karen Strahan will be speaking at the conference about proposals to change the law in sexual assault cases and she joins us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you Karen. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. Karen, you're a men's activist yourself, which is, I suppose, in some ways an unusual thing that uh, as a woman you've chosen chosen to speak out in favour of men's rights. Well, you know, I think it's it's kind of an unfortunate thing that, that, that people believe that that's unusual. Um, it is unusual, but... Uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily ask uh, a man who uh, isn't, you know, calls himself a feminist or fights for women's issues or, you know, does the uh, the uh, charity run for breast cancer or, or whatever, you know, well, why would you do that? Uh, you know, you're a man. Um, of course, the reason why he's doing it is because he has women in his life that he cares about. Uh, he cares about women in general. Uh, he wants women to do well. Um, and uh, so that's really, um, <laughs> it's unfortunate that it's, seems so surprising to people that there are women who would come out, uh, you know, uh, to bat, you know, to go to bat for their uh, their fathers, their sons, their brothers, their husbands, um, and their male friends. So, yeah. So so tell me about the, the speaking that you're going to be doing at the conference. It's about the changes to the sexual assault laws. What is being proposed at this point? Well, there there are some. I'm not too, too familiar. I've, I've done some digging about the changes. Uh, to propose changes to Irish law, reasonable standard, uh, reasonable person standard, uh, instead of, uh, you know, a, an honest and genuine but mistaken belief in consent, things like that. Uh, it really kind of boils down to how those are implemented. Uh, I think that everybody can sort of agree that um, a reasonable person standard just on the face of it is is perfectly fine, uh, that, you know, you can't just have people who walk around and, and uh, sexually assault other people and say, well, I honestly believed, you know, that they were consenting um, when, you know, no reasonable person would think that. But uh, it really boils down to how those are implemented, what the restrictions and limitations are. And uh, one of the other uh, speakers is going to be getting deep, deep, deep into that. Um, I am actually going to be talking, uh, sort of giving, a, I guess, a primer on what not to do. I'll be discussing a lot of the changes uh, that were recently made to Canadian sexual assault law. And uh, some of the uh, aspects of those changes have already been ruled unconstitutional uh, by two judges, um, as in uh, they, they deprived the defendant of his charter right to a fair trial. Can you give us so an example? You, Oh well, one the the prime example in in the recent changes is that, uh, and I don't know how how savvy on the law your your listeners are, 
But in a criminal case, uh, the complainant, the uh, the accuser, is not the client. Uh, they're not the plaintiff. They're not the client of the prosecutor. The prosecutor's client is the people or the crown. And uh, the complainant is just a witness to the case. Um, as such, they are not a party to the case. They are entitled to no information, no disclosure from the defense, no disclosure from the prosecution. Uh, it's it's actually uh, illegal in a criminal case in Canada for the prosecutor to disclose evidence to the complainant that the complainant doesn't already know, uh, regardless of where that evidence comes from. And uh, the complainant will not be allowed to be in the courtroom while others testify. Uh, until they've given their own testimony because they don't want the testimony to be tainted. But in rape shield hearings where certain pieces of evidence are uh, argued over pre-trial as to whether they're admissible, now in Canada the complainant and her uh, personal counsel that she's now entitled to, um, Sorry, just when even you, though she's when not you a say party the to the case, they, ha- they, have, they have standing in, in rape shield hearings so she will be able to look at all of that evidence prior to trial, and that actually so it legally mandates uh, the tainting of witness testimony. It's, it's a, I'm amazed that it actually passed muster in uh, Parliament and in the Senate, given how it stands the entire process on its head. When, when you say the complainant, I, you're, you're talking about the alleged victim? Yes. Okay. Um, so she's now allowed access to information uh, not previously permitted. But but why is that a problem? Well, because exactly for the reason that I said, it, it taints uh, witness testimony. You know, even in civil trials uh, where, you know, maybe the, the worst possible thing that could happen is somebody could have to pay $50,000 damages or something like that. Um, witnesses will not be allowed to uh, be in the courtroom watching other witnesses give evidence, uh, looking at the defense or the uh, evidentiary exhibits. They won't be allowed in the courtroom until after they have already given their testimony because to see that evidence will taint even a normal, well-meaning person's testimony. Um, and so what you really, you, you just don't want to, and the complaining witness in a sexual assault trial is the most important witness. They are the primary witness. So you're essentially uh, mandating now in Canada the tainting of the testimony of the primary witness in the case. And it's something that is not allowed in any other type of criminal trial and certainly not even allowed in civil trials where the stakes are, are much, much lower. Yeah, there's been a lot of criticism, though, in this country of the fact that, you know, the alleged victim has little to no rights at all and little to no protection and very little looking after somebody who may have been through a really, really difficult ordeal and has had the courage to bring the case to court. Because as we know from uh, organisations like the Rape Crisis Network, there a huge percentage of rapes never, ever actually even make it to court. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, you know, the idea of, of victim rights, you know, like victims should have the right to, to counselling, they should have the right to an advocate who, you know, sort of maybe helps them through the reporting and, and the court courtroom process, the whole uh, sort of criminal litigation process. Um, you know, somebody to sort of hold their hand and bolster them and, and, uh, and help them through it. Um, but they, because it's a criminal trial and the, the client of the prosecutor is not the complaining witness, it is it is the people. This is why prosecutors have prosecutorial discretion. If it's not in the public interest to prosecute somebody, um, 
then they they will they have the right to decline to prosecute because the people is their client the complainant is not their client and so because the complainant and it's unfortunate for the complainants but complainants because they are not a party to the case they have no rights within the context of that criminal case they are merely a witness and uh, i think that's one thing that most people don't understand that any alleged victim uh, of any crime is merely a witness uh, to that crime and uh, and will be treated as such in a courtroom, regardless of whether they're the witness, uh, the, the victim of a, a, a brutal beating or uh, a burglary or a robbery or, or other some other form of assault. Um, they are only a witness. They have no rights within the context of a trial. So do you feel that if we try to give more protections to alleged victims that this could result in innocent men being convicted? Oh, we, you're always going to have in, innocent men being convicted. I mean, well, there's very the few. There's stood, actually very few yes. men convicted of rape because most rape trials end in a not guilty uh, verdict. Because mo- and most don't I make mean, it to court, and most are end in a not guilty verdict because they are so difficult to prove. Well, I would I would really love to see the numbers on that in Canada. Um, the uh, the conviction rate for sexual assault is, after it's gone to trial, is something like 57%, which is actually, it's only, that's only about 4% uh, lower than uh, the conviction rate for murder when murders go to trial. So, you know, you're sort of looking at, I think, you know, a lot of people confuse the attrition rate for uh, sexual assaults with the number of reports to police versus the number of convictions. Um, That's not generally what we consider to be the conviction rate. The conviction rate is the number that actually get prosecuted that end in a conviction. And and in most Western countries, I would have to look at, double-check the numbers that you, you know, uh, but I would expect that at least uh, the majority of sexual assault uh, cases that are prosecuted end in a conviction. Okay. Um, you may see, uh, you may get the impression that that's not the case because the acquittals tend to get a lot of uh, of news coverage uh, because people are are genuinely outraged if they feel that justice has been denied, and we really do want to think that a case wouldn't be brought um, to, into court if uh, the if the accused was not guilty. Okay, so, well, essentially, you know. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. We're, we're going to have to take a, an ad break. Um, we'll be back after these. We're chatting to Canadian men's activist Karen Strahan, who's speaking at the men's conference in Dublin this weekend. Karen, you mentioned the law around sexual assault has changed in Canada. We're looking at changing the laws here. It seems to be happening in a lot of countries. Can I just ask you briefly, has the whole hashtag Me Too thing brought about all of this, and do you think it's gone too far in favour of women's rights against men's rights? Um, I do think that we're at the point where we're starting to encroach on uh, tenets of the law, uh, cornerstones of the law that uh, took hundreds of years to uh, to establish, starting uh, you know with the Magna Carta at Runnymede. Um, so we're, we're really beginning to dismantle all of the advances that we've made that you know, you have to understand, you know, as somebody who I'm in love with the law, I, I really, really, um, it, it interests me. It, it makes me feel passionate about things. I, I get very, very into uh, court cases. Um, but when you, uh, when you actually uh, look at 
the evolution of the law in terms of limiting the power of the state to interfere unjustly with people's lives, so to protect the individual from the immense power of the state. This is really uh, what these due process protections for defendants, for the accused, uh, that's why they exist. And they are there to protect everybody, because if you can dismantle due process protections and the presumption of innocence and and shift the burden of proof, uh, maybe lower the burden of proof for the state, you know, make things easier uh, to convict people uh, of one type of crime, well, you're you're already looking at eroding it in terms of other types of crime. And you have to realize that um, in states where there is no, in, you know, countries where there is no due process, where there is no burden of proof, where there, where the the law does not protect the individual the way it does uh, in the Western countries, um, people get arrested when they have not committed any crime just because they're inconvenient to whoever's in in power. Um, and this is certainly not any place where I want to live. So I'm very, very, very protective of those advances in our jurisprudence, uh, the advances in our legal system that began again with the Magna Carta and have steadily evolved since then, um, things like having to read a, a suspect his rights before uh, when you arrest him, uh, allow him to know that he doesn't have to answer questions. All of those things are there to protect the individual from the state because we understand that the state can be a bad actor. Okay. We understand that the state can be an oppressor. Well, we have to so, leave it there yeah, for this so morning. I, I, but, th- but thank you for joining us on the programme. It's Canadian men's activist Karen Strawn and she'll be speaking at the Men's Conference at Wynn's Hotel in Dublin this weekend. Thank you, Karen. Call Limerick today now on 461995.